chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. As we've been doing, we'll try to do again today. Just we'll start in the first verse and walk our way down through this as the Lord would lead us and guide us. So verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So the very first word there, then, that's going to tie us back into the latter part of chapter 24. What he's dealing with there is the Lord's coming back. And some he finds prepared and in a place that, uh, that he can accept them and bring them in but they're servants that he finds that are unprepared and they're cut asunder. And the Bible says the last words of chapter 24, appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So he's going to give us now a parable, something that we can look at, something that we can uh, understand in the flesh to help us understand what it means to be prepared. You know, I, I believe there, there is that's why we're everyone here. The God's truth, these these virgins in, in this day, when they had a wedding, the bridegroom would come. It was tradition that there would be virgins, and typically ten, you could look in the book of Ruth, when Boaz and Ruth are married, there's ten witnesses. Well, there's the ten virgins, they come out, they hold torches to light the way for them in. That was just tradition. That's the picture the Lord's going to use for us to do here. So he says the kingdom of heaven is like to ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. So they're, they're there for one purpose. The bridegroom's going to be coming. And I, I believe now, uh, as we've gathered, we're all, uh, we all realize that there's a, a problem with sin, that sin has made us to be guilty before God, and that the Lord Jesus Christ is returning. His work is not uh, the, the work now, let's, let's be clear, so that nothing can be taken wrong. The work for the salvation of the soul of man is finished and done. He don't need to do anything else to that. But His work's not completed yet, as He will yet return, bring vengeance and fire and judgment, upon the lost and the undone, and call the saints into His glory. So let's look at just a place or two, just to, to back that up. In the book of Acts, Paul's preaching at Mars Hill, and down in verse 31 of chapter 17 of Acts, "...because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained." whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So there is an assurance given by God and according to the word of God 
Jesus' resurrection from the dead, and I realize we've said this before, it's worth saying again, if you believe and are confident that Jesus has rose from the dead, then by this word of God, that resurrection of Christ is an assurance that He's coming back in judgment one day. That God has ordained and appointed a day that Christ is going to return and that the world is going to be judged. And he, he lays this out in Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. And I, you know, I wrestle in my mind about turning sometimes, but it's just going to have to be all right. I, I, believe, I believe it's good to turn and look at it. In Second Thessalonians chapter 1, To you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints, to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So you see, this day, this day of the Lord's return is the day really that time ceases and we enter into eternity. And them that are unprepared, they're cast into eternal destruction. I mean, he says with plain words right there, in flaming fire, taking vengeance, who shall be punished with everlasting torment. I mean, I, I don't know how you could confuse that. The day of judgment's coming that those that are unprepared for that day are going to be cast into everlasting torment, everlasting punishment, where there's going to be wailing and weeping and crying and the grating of the teeth from the torment of that day. And the same day now, the same day is going to be glorious unto the saints and them that are prepared. It's going to be a day of full... You know, if, if the Holy Ghost now is our down payment, if the Holy Ghost, and, and not, to, uh, not to berate or to belittle the Holy Ghost dwelling in us, but that is what we have within us today and the joy that God's provided us and the peace, my God, what peace that we have through the Word and the Spirit that we can endure such trials and heartaches and know that all things are well with our soul. But that there is just the earnest that the day that the Lord returns, the church and them that are prepared are going to receive the fullness of the salvation that God purchased for them in Jesus Christ. This is all the day that the bridegroom comes. So wouldn't you say that it's imperative that I be found prepared and ready for that day? He says at the end of chapter number 25 of Matthew, right there where we're at, he's going to give us a picture of that judgment and he's going to divide the sheep from the goats. And to those on his right hand, he shall say, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
on down in the chapter, he's going to say to the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And the last verse, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So now the preparation that's made in this life by the Word of God, determines my eternal resting place. These that have come to the Word of God in preparation, they get to inherit and enjoy the goodness of God eternally in the heavens, receiving the fullness of Christ in that day. But those are the only ones that are going to enjoy it. The rest are going to be cast into eternal destruction and damnation, a place prepared for the devil and his angels. So here's ten virgins now. They're all waiting on the bridegroom to come. Wouldn't you say today that all of us are here waiting on the Lord Jesus to come? We all, I, I believe I, what everything I just read, you already believed, you already knew, you, you know the Lord's coming back. You know the Lord's coming in judgment. And you know the Lord's coming in vengeance. You know that there must be preparation made. Well, here's ten virgins. They're all waiting on the bridegroom to come back. And they're all virgins now. And, you know, you may see a lot more than I see here. But virgin purity there. No fornication. No adultery. No uh, impurities. But I tell you what they are. They're, they're moral. They're upstanding. And they're not taking part in any great open wickedness that's going on in the world. Now a lot of folks, they, they credit themselves for not being in any open wickedness. But we know the Word of God now. We know that all are sinners. That all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. And yet here we sit. You see, we, these that are here in the house of God, are just like these virgins. You know, there's, there's ten of them here as a picture. They're virgins. They're not in any open sin. And I realize I don't know your life minute by minute and day by day. But to the best of my knowledge and as I look upon you, I don't see any uh, open sin or open rebellion as the wicked in this world live in. And you may take that to your credit. You may think that that's a mark of glory upon you. Well, every one of these uh, that were waiting on the bridegroom here, they were virgins and they ever one had lamps. Now, I've always thought of that as a little oil lamp. But when you look into the Word, it's really a torch is really what it is. Uh, like the, the stick with the claws wrapped around the end of it. That's what they would use because that puts off a much greater light in the midst of the night. And every single one of them has got this lamp. Now it's meant to burn, wouldn't you say? It's meant, the purpose is to be a light. You know what I believe? I believe we've all, and maybe, maybe it has been a long time since I've heard it from your lips. But I believe we've all got a profession, don't we? We all claim with our mouth to be prepared. Or we have claimed in the past. We've claimed that we've been saved. We're born again. We're not in any open sins. We're gathered around here at the church 
and we're waiting on the Lord to come back. We're looking for the Lord to come and return. But the Bible says this of them, five of them were wise and five were foolish. So you think smart and dumb. Well, that's not what the word means. Wise means uh, careful, cautious, in avoiding error. They had attention, if you'll, this is the way I thought of that. They've got attention to detail. They're cautious and they watch what they do and they think about what's going on. And the foolish, it means inattentive or negligent. So see, it's not intellect that he's talking about. It's the character that he's talking about. Five of them, half of them are paying attention. He says, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. He says to search the Scriptures to see whether we have eternal life. He says to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. He says, I beseech you not to receive the grace of God in vain. He tells us that uh, that if we belong to the Lord Jesus, that we must have the Spirit of God within us. He gives us all of these examples. And Anthony spoke about love. What come to my mind was over there in Galatians, Anthony, where he says, the fruit of the Spirit. Friends, when the Holy Ghost is there, the Spirit of God will produce fruit in our life. You know what these wise are? They're careful and cautious, they examine themselves and see whether they've got what the Word of God says that they ought to have in order to be prepared for the day of judgment. But the, the foolish, they're inattentive. They do not pay attention to what's going on. They don't pay attention to what's being said. It's the ground by the wayside. It's where the seed is sown and the devil immediately comes and takes it away. They're inattentive and they're negligent. They neglect the very truths of the Word of God. The searching of the Word of God. Neglect even their own life and condition in comparison with what the Word of God says. Would you not say this? That if I'd be careful with the Word of God, and if I'd search the Scriptures, and if I'd pay attention, and if I'd be cautious and examine and search myself, and see, I'd be a lot better off if I would do those things. But now, you see how that if I said inattentive, And if I don't pay attention to what's going on, I tell you, you work a dangerous job. You work up on the power lines like Daniel, Greg has. You know what that is? That's dangerous. You know what you've got to do? You've got to be cautious and pay attention because that can quickly destroy your life. Friends, this Word of God, this Gospel, this judgment that's coming, it'll destroy more than your life. You can die of electrocution and go to heaven. You can be uh, you can be foolish on a power line and still get to go to heaven with the Lord. But friends, you be foolish in your handling and in your hearing of the Word of God. Your body's going to be destroyed and your soul in hell. The most dangerous, the most dangerous and damning thing that there is on the earth is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To a multitude, it is a savor of death unto death. You know why? Inattentive and unhearkening. Unwilling to hear. Unwilling to think. But rather just be negligent. 
and go right on. Do you reckon now, if you're negligent of the Word of God, if the Word of God's laid down beside me, and I believe this is what happens. I believe it's, I believe it's visible. I believe I can see it. I believe I know that something's not right. You know what would be good when I got to that place? If I'd get down and say, wait a minute, what is this that's not right? Why is it that I just don't match up right here? Something must be off. But you know what people would rather do? We'd rather neglect it. Be negligent of that. Pay that no attention and go right on just like everything's alright. You know what that is? That's foolish. Foolish. A character like that is foolish. Now that's what these virgins were. Five were wise. Five were foolish. How many? How many are foolish here? Now, I, I don't I don't believe that it has to be fifty percent. I don't at all. In some places, the number of wise is it's a whole lot less than fifty percent. And I don't say that's true here either. But just looking around and saying, well, we're all virgins and we're moral and we're religious and we're not in any open sin and we come to church and to say, well, we've all got a lamp. Well, I've been to the altar and I've made a profession and I've been baptized. To be able to say that, that does not mean that there's been real preparation. Every one of these virgins could say that. And as you looked on them outwardly, they all look to be the exact same thing. It's going to have to get deeper than the outward man. It's going to have to get deeper than fleshly emotions. There's going to have to be a work of God in the heart in order for there to be any real preparation made to avoid this day of judgment and destruction that's not at hand. Not at hand. They that were foolish... So they that were negligent took their lamps and took no oil with them. So they've got their torch. They've got what they need, as you would think. But they're negligent of what makes the torch burn. You know, you could put it in today's language and it's having a flashlight without any batteries in it. The flashlight's good. The flashlight will help. But if there's nothing in it to power it, that is of no value whatsoever. So you can see how easy it would be, though, just to grab the light and put it in your bag and never think twice about batteries. You know, I, I work with a camera. My job involves taking all manner of pictures. You know what I've always got? I've always got batteries in my pocket. You know why? Because I found myself in water up to my knees in waders underneath a bridge with a 50 foot bank to climb up to get back to the truck and the batteries go dead and there I stand. You know what I was? I was negligent. Didn't give any thought to that. But I tell you, you walk up a bank like that three or four times, you'll start to remember to put batteries in your pocket so that you'll be prepared when did they go dead? Well, being negligent here, that just cost me a little walk. You know what? I didn't like it either. Because I had to go back up, get what I needed, come back down to where I was, 
and try to pick up where I left off. It aggravated me. You could see that. You'd be aggravated at that. But my God, how much worse is it going to be to neglect the Word of God and be found in this day without hope in the day of judgment? Listen, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's just look at it as we go. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil. They had nothing that would make their lamps to burn. You know what it is? It's a place where fire is supposed to be. It's the fire on the torch that produces light. There ought to be two things there. There ought to be light and there ought to be heat. And you know what we've got? We've got a profession. But you know when it's spoken, when the profession is brought out, when it's brought out in the service, when it's brought out before the church, and you can see the picture, it's a torch that's not lit. What good's it going to do out there in the middle of the night to bring out a flashlight with no batteries? Friends, that's what a profession is. If there's no Spirit of God to bring any light or heat out of it, it's empty words. It's a torch with no oil. Well, boy, we can make it burn. You can. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to quickly burn up. What makes it burn is the oil. I don't want my wicking material to burn. I want the oil to burn. Because that wick, it's going to go up quick. Boy, I tell you, we, we might prop it up for a little while. And we might get her to work as long as we're here with the virgins. But the day's coming that the call's going to go out and we're going to have to have a burning torch in that day. The foolish, they neglected and they just went right on. You see how, how easy it is to forget something. I've went to work. We stopped at a store. Going to buy something. Hell ain't buying anything today. Forgot it. Left my wallet at home. You know how easy that is? Just a little bit of inattention is all it takes. Just me carelessly going out the door without thinking. You see how that works? Forgetfulness and negligence always comes without thinking. If I'll stop, and I try to, if I'll stop and think before I go out the door, I can see if I'm prepared with what I need for the rest of the day. Boy, it'd be good. While the Word of God's preached, people would think. But they sat dead-headed, mind in a, in a blaze, way out in left field, with no thought to what God's saying. I'll tell you what that is. That makes it very easy to miss preparation and to step out of this life and into the next with no oil in our lamp, with no batteries in our flashlight. So the foolish, they, they foolishly took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So this makes a little better sense now. If we see that it's a torch, so what you've got's a stick that's wrapped in your wicked material, and you're going to dip that. That's got to be dipped in something. It soaks up the oil, and then you can light it. So you know what they had? They had a lamp 
But they had something that went along with that that made that a source of light and heat. They had something, and it's separate now. It's not the profession itself. There's going to have to be something more than just a profession in order for us to be prepared for the day that is yet to come. The day that you say is coming. The day that you believe is coming. The day that as we're here, as we read through a few scriptures, you thought, I believe every bit of that. He's exactly right. I'm waiting on the Lord to come. Well, friends, if we're going to be ready when the Lord comes, we're going to have to have something in addition to a little profession. It's going to have to be all in a separate vessel. Now, you think what you want to, but my profession, honest to God, a profession means absolutely nothing. By itself. It's nothing. The devil, the devil himself can appear as an angel of light. Now that's not, he can't do that in the Spirit of God. But outwardly, as you look with the flesh and with a carnal mind, you would think, well, there's one that's a child of God. There's one even to this place. Not just that it's somebody saved sitting on the middle row but he can appear, the devil now can look like an angel, a minister, a preacher, a proclaimer, and a messenger of God. Outwardly, they appear. I've heard, I heard it, John Wayne said it. He didn't say it in the way I'm going to take it, but it's the way I thought when he said it. It sounded like preaching. Boy, it sounds like it, don't it? In the flesh, it sounds like preaching. You know what though? There's no power behind that. And a profession without power behind it is a torch that's not been dipped in oil. Now what good is that? Would you want a torch that's not been dipped to go out and find your way tonight? Would you want a flashlight with no batteries in it for you to take out tonight and try to find your way home. Absolutely not. That would be absolutely worthless to you. Well, know this. Just as worthless as a torch without oil is, that's how worthless that my profession is if there's no oil in my vessel to lighten that torch up. God Almighty, all through the Scripture, we've got all. We've got it used for anointing. We've got it used to uh, to show joy. We've got it used to show it being poured in the wounds over and over and over again. It's there as a picture, as a type, and as a shadow of the Holy Spirit of God. So the all now that's in a separate vessel from my profession, I tell you where it's at. It's in here. My profession's up here. It comes out of the mouth. And friends, if there's no oil in the vessel, there's no fire that comes out with it. It's just empty and it's vain words is all that it is. But you know, if there's oil in the vessel, if Almighty God has saved that soul and the Spirit of God dwells within, you know what, when they talk, there's some heat that comes off of that. 
you've all been close to a fire. And the closer you get, a big brush fire that blazes up, you don't even have to be close. There's heat that you can feel off of that, and there's light that you can see. Well, you think about this fire now. The fire of the oil of the Holy Spirit of God. It's not a heat that I feel with my hand. But boy, when God begins to speak, and it don't matter how it is, if it's in song, if it's in testimony, if it's through preaching, if it's through teaching, however that God begins to move, I tell you, down in the inward man, down in the soul of man, my spirit, that that God gave me, it links up with that spirit of whatever's going on out there, and it says we are children of God. We can bear witness with that. Down in the depths of our soul, I can feel the fire of God in what's being said. But now ain't it something that a lot of times what's being said, it makes you draw up cold as ice. If you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. There's nothing there. And the God's truth is, it'd be better if nothing was ever said. You know what that is? That is a torch without oil. That's one that's burning the wick. You know what that does? It stinks. And it smokes everything up. And it's of no value. It's a detriment to everybody that's around. And if that's what you're depending on for life, then know this, in just a very short while, you're going to be left in the dark. But the wise, they had all. Now that is the only difference between the wise and the foolish. Do you see that? In every other way, they're identical. They've all went to church. They all believe the Bible. They all carry the Bible. They've all been to the altar. They've all made a profession. They all try to live for God. They're all moral and not in any open sins. They've all been baptized. They're all members down at the church house. They all put their check in the plate. And I believe that every single one of us can claim every one of those things. But you know, none of those things matter when it comes to the day of judgment. One thing. One thing matters. And it's whether we have the all of the Spirit of God inside of our vessel. Because your torch is going to burn up. Listen. When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So the bridegroom, he didn't come right away. Now, a lot of people may think a lot of different things about that little verse right there. But I'm going to tell you this. The Lord, He's not come right away. There's been time. There's been a space. And it's not because He's lazy. It's not because He don't want to have to get out of the bed. It's not because He don't want to go out of the house. You know, I may tarry because it's cold outside and I want to wait a little while longer on it to warm up. None of those reasons are why the Lord 
tarries. But you know why? He's long-suffering and He's merciful and He's good and He's kind. Because the God's truth now, if He quits tarrying today, there's going to be a great multitude, even of the virgins, that's going to suffer as a result of it. So God's dealing mercifully and kindly and long-suffering with these souls that there's opportunity now to get the oil that's needed for the day that's yet to come. How long's he tarried? Well, now it looks like here in the picture to way up into the night. The call comes at midnight, but it's after that when he comes. There's time. There's opportunity. And it's spent slumbering and sleeping. How long is God, now honest, how long has He tarried for you? Not being lazy, not that He's forgot, but for you as an individual, how much time, what space of time has God given for you to make sure that there's all in your land? But you know what goes on? People slumber and sleep through the time that they have to get prepared. How valuable that this few hours to these foolish virgins, how valuable that time could be to them, and yet they spend it in foolishness. That's right. I, I know. This time here, it, it's, it's really not valuable whatsoever to people. It's spent mindlessly passing the time until we can get out and do something else that pleases us a little more. That's what it is. It's going through the motions. It's coming down to the church because, well, Mama went to church and, well, this one goes to church. And, and well, I, I think and I believe that's what we ought to do. Well, friends, all of those things are well and good. But you know, it's possible to come down here and not just with the eyes closed and the head bowed and your body is actually asleep, but down in the depths of the soul to sleep through the opportunity that God's provided you to get yourself ready for the day that's to come. This is the mercy and long-suffering of God. You know what's happening? The wise are asleep too. They all... That's our nature. Jesus took, I believe you would agree, His three nearest apostles with Him to the garden. Peter, James, and John. And he said, I want you to watch right here and pray that you enter not into temptation. I'm going to go a little further and I'm going to pray. And when he come back the first time, they were asleep. And he said, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? Pray that you enter not into temptation. And he went back and prayed again. And he come back and they were asleep. You know, that's the nature of man. Even them that are saved. But I say this. Paul says, and it's all over the New Testament really, we could look. But he says it's high time that we awake from sleep and that we walk according to the Word of God. I tell you a lot of times, even in them that are saved, they lose the vision of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, the church ought to be awake. If anybody on earth's awake, it ought to be the people that are saved. And you know what they ought to be doing? Have you got all in your lamp? Are you ready for the day? That's to come? He's coming. 
They're there waiting on Him. He's coming. But they slumbered and slept with Him. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet Him. Now the call has gone out. The Bible says the heavens will pass away with great noise. This is not going to be an event that people live their day-to-day life through and are unaware of what's going on. The call is coming out one day. God is returning. The heavens shall depart and there will be great noise and the Lord's presence will be known unto every heart, every mind, and every soul. But you know what that's going to be? My God, you talk about a rude awakening now. Here comes the call. You know what it is now? It's time to act. The time of preparation is over. Well, no, now. Now we'll get ready. I'm telling you, people hold fast to that. That I'm going to wait till I'm dying and then I'll get ready. I'm going to wait till I'm on my deathbed. I mean, now God, give me good years and I spent them slumbering and sleeping. God, let me hear the gospel and I refuse to hear it. But now when I'm laying there about to die in a week, then I'm going to call on God and I'm going to be saved. Boy, I tell you, time's running out now. We don't have the time that we perceive that we have, the God's truth. We've got the time that Almighty God would allot us and allow us to have, but know this, the cry is coming one day that the opportunity and time of preparation is over with. Go out to meet Him. Now, what's going to happen? And the foolish said, no, wait a minute, I skipped a verse. Don't want to skip a verse. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps to put in proper order or to decorate. So you think about it now. As we think about a little lamp, you think about trimming the wick. But I tell you what you got. You got your stick. You got your wrap. Your gauze. Your wicking material. And what are they doing? They're getting it and they're putting her together. They're setting that torch in its proper order because they know that they're going to have to use this. Ain't it something now? We know that we must be born again. We know that outside of salvation, there's no hope for those in the day of wrath and judgment. And we know that those that are indeed born again are filled and indwelt with the Spirit. We know those things. And yet, we trim and we decorate and we set in proper order our little profession thinking we're going to get it to burn without the Spirit of God. They trimmed their lamps. Now, still now, Other than the oil, there's no difference between any one of them. They've all done the exact same thing outside of the oil up to this point. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, 
for our lamps are gone out. Now you know what there is now? Now that time's gone, and now that we're thinking about what we need, now that our mind, boy, I tell you, you talk about a day of a rude awakening when the trumpet of God blares in the lives and in the hearts of those that are unprepared. Those that knew He was coming and yet they've lived in slumber and sleep and now the trumpet's going off and we do not have what we need in order to stand before Him in the judgment. But I tell you what they knew. They knew some people that did. I believe we do. I believe you know and can recognize some people that have all down in the depths of their heart. You know where they got that from? Not from at Gentry's or the big box store, but God gave them that from His own hand by His own store. And you know what there is? There's enough for them for all of their sins to be forgiven and for them to be justified and righteous and holy before God in the judgment. But there's not enough in their vessel to make your torch burn. And I I think that's obvious too. Because when the church is burning, when there are some that's burning and on fire, and the, the foolish virgins try to fit in, it's theirs isn't burning. There's an obvious distinction even down here in this world that what they've got is lacking the oil that it needs to burn. But boy, they said, would you give us some? Now, I, I don't question for a minute that they're friends, that they love each other, that they've known each other, but friends, there's nothing I can do to make you get prepared. And I can't prepare you. We can't share what I've got. My boys can't get in on what I've got. But they must go. And I tell you what God has. He's got enough to light every torch that would be burned. He's got enough to light the torch of every man. But all must come to Him in salvation and in repentance and in sorrow for their sins and receive from God directly. There's not a reseller. Silverline makes pipes down on the river. You can't go buy what you need from them. They have it set up. There's a middleman and there's a distributor and you got to wait till the very end after everybody's got a little money out of it before you can go buy it and use what you need. That's not what the church is. The church is not a distributor of what God has. The church is an announcing place. It's a place that the call of God goes out, but for sinners to come and get all, they've got to come by on their own individually before the presence of God Himself and receive it, even of His own hand. If we all joined together and laid hands on your back, we couldn't give you what you needed to make it in the judgment. God is the source of that. Give us of your all, for our lamps have gone out. You know what I can hear? You know what I believe my daddy would say to me? Joseph, why didn't you think of that? Didn't you know you'd need batteries in that thing? Wouldn't you? That's what you would think. That's what I would think. What in the world? 
How foolish. Here it is, it's time, and my lamp's gone out. I've not got what I need. My God, you talk about fear, and you talk about urgency, and you talk about a desire to get things right. In that day, there's going to be a great urgency, and a great desire, and a pressing need to make things right. But the wise answered saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. Now listen, the problem's not that there's a shortage on oil in this day. The problem is what I've got won't cover you. What the wise has is not enough to cover them. But they're going to have to go and get their own. Well, we'll get it in that day. Go ye, rather, to them that sail and buy for yourselves. Go take what you've earned. That's what we buy things with. I don't want to be silly. I've said this before. But you know, they, they pay me with money. But really now, what I'm getting paid is my labor. My labor, my time, my effort, my intellect, they're paying me for my use of that. Right. So when I go and buy something, I may throw down $100, but you know really what I'm doing is I'm throwing down my time that I gave to earn that. I'm trading my work for what I'm buying. Well, that's what they say. Go buy for yourself. Take what you've earned and go buy what you need. Boy, I tell you, if we wait till the day of judgment, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have what you've earned. Buy for yourself. Can you buy for yourself? What's it cost to buy for yourself? Perfection. If you're going to buy for yourself... What you're going to have to trade in exchange for the oil you need to be redeemed is absolute, 100% perfection by the law of God. One sin, one slip up, one error, and we don't have, we don't have the price of it. We can't afford it. Well, God, He'll put it on our tab. That, that's injustice. The God's truth, that's injustice. The man at the shop, he may know me personally. He may say, Joseph, you take that and come back tomorrow. He's not going to let every man do that. You know what that is really? That's not fair. He's treating me different than he does other people. God's not like that. God holds every man to the same equal standard. And the standard for me to obtain righteousness in His sight is absolute perfection by the law of God. And friends... We know right now that we don't have the money to buy that. I don't have to. Maybe this sounds silly. I don't have to go check my salary and what's in my bank account to know that I can't go and buy a Bentley for $275,000. I know that that is far out of my ability to pay. Well, I tell you, you talk about more common sense than that. If it requires perfection, and I think just for a second 
about how I've lived in my life, I know that I do not have the price that it takes to purchase all for myself. How'd the church get their all? I tell you, it was imputed to them. They came to Jesus Christ in repentance and God gave them of the all that Jesus purchased with His own blood. Buy for yourselves. And while they went, the bridegroom came and they that were ready they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. Who's going in? Not the virgins. All of the virgins aren't going in. Not all of them with torches. They're not all going in. Not all of them with professions and baptisms and church memberships and good works and dead professions They're not all going in. You know who's going in? Those that were ready. Those that had the oil in their vessels, they are the ones that's going to go in with the Lord. And what's going to happen once those that are ready are in? The Bible says the door is shut. The entering in is closed. Those inside are closed off in eternal security in Jesus Christ. And those without are shut out to eternal damnation, wrath, and judgment in outer darkness forevermore. And there's no crossing over, folks. You see, the day of getting prepared is past right here. There's no more time for repentance. When is a time for repentance? I'll tell you, while God grants it to us today, there's opportunity to repent and be prepared for the day that's to come. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We went to the beach this year. Joel and Chloe, they went up the stairs. We was on the second floor. Chloe stopped and went to the room. Joel was negligent. He went on up the next flight. We realized... Joel's not in here. And we go out, and it was frantic with a bunch of women, you can imagine. But after a minute or two now, we found him. He was all right. He was on the floor above. But I tell you what it done, it scared him absolutely to death. You want to know how bad it scared him? I said, we'll go this winter. We'll go to Dollywood. We'll stay the night over there. And we'll go look at the Christmas lights. Joel said, I can't stay at a hotel. I'll get lost again. I don't want to get lost, Daddy. And I said, son, I'll I'll hold on to you. I'm not going to let you go. We'll make sure that you're with us. I don't want to stay. We'll go, but I don't want to stay. You know what? That, That stuck in his heart and in his mind. What fear that he had of being lost and separated. But you know what that is? That's a little child. But boy, you come now, not being separated from mom and daddy for 30 seconds to a minute and 30 seconds, but we're talking about God Almighty shutting the door and men and women being separated from God Almighty, not for a minute or two, but for all eternity. 
You talk about grating of teeth and weeping and a fear that man will never get rid of. But God help, He's gave time to prepare. You know all the foolish can say? They can't say He come too early. They say, I had time and I slipped it away. That's what they say. That's what man's going to be able to say before God. I had opportunity, but I wasted it on myself. I spent it on me. I neglected and I was careless. God help us. I believe I believe it's my duty as we preach the Word here this morning. I believe it's my duty to beseech you and to rebuke and to reprove you and to warn you not to be slothful as we get under the Word of God. While there's opportunity... Give heed to what's being said. Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. Now in their mind, they knew who He was. They knew those other virgins. And they deserved to be in there with them. Do you see that? That was their friends in there. That was the bridegroom... They knew who they were. We want to come in and be a part with you. Just open the door and let us in. That's going to be present in the day of judgment. Jesus says in Matthew 7, Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? Have we not? Did you not? Were we not present? Were we not apart? Why won't you let us in? Well, here's the truth now. The truth is, He answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, I know you not. The truth is, we never belong to the Savior. In Luke, He says, I know you not whence you are. So we think, I know not where you're from, But what he's saying there is I don't know who that you came from. You're not one of my children. You did not come from me. You've never bought the oil that it was required and you've never been one of my children. You know what they done? They sat among the virgins their whole life and believed a lie. You know when they finally realized it was a lie? Not under the preaching. It was read last night that in the days of Noah, they ate married, given marriage, eat and drink, up till the day Noah went in the ark. And the flood came. Noah's preaching and the building of the ark, that didn't open their eyes. You know when their eyes were open? When the flood came. When it was late, the door was already shut then. You know when the majority's eyes are going to be open? When the door's shut and when it's too late. That is the Bible. He says in Luke, maybe I'll be able to find it. Yes, I did. Luke 13, verse 23. Then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able when once the master of the house is risen up 
and I shut to the door. Now, by the very words of Jesus, many, the majority, the multitude, the, the most people, they're going to seek to get in after the door is shut and there's no more admittance. What's God say to you? Strive. Give some effort. Don't slumber and sleep through the time God's give you, but listen and take heed to what you hear. Take heed how that you hear it. Pay attention and examine yourself and search the Scriptures and see whether you're indeed prepared or not. I believe I'm alright. Is that what we're going to go on? I tell you what we better have. We better have oil in the vessel with our lamp. Watch therefore. Now this is, this is my lesson that I'm to take out of the parable that Jesus just spoke. Watch. That word means to be on guard. To be a sentry. It's like a watch in the military. They're not just there looking out into glory. They're in a place positioned watching on guard for the enemy. Jesus says, be on guard and be awake. For the, you neither know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. We don't know whether it's today, next week, or in ten years, or in twenty. But we know this, He's indeed coming. And when He comes, I've got to be prepared. So, what's that behoove me to do? Prepare as soon as possible. Wouldn't you say that'd be right? If He could come at any moment, I'd better be prepared at any moment. It's all that's on our heart. Let's come to order. Anything on your heart you feel like you need to do, anything the Lord would have you to do, altars open. else on your heart you'd like to say? Anything you need to do? I know that scripture that's preached to death. That's, those are the words, the very words that I thought. But that, I believe that's what the Lord